welcome to the Court 3 Movie Podcast of Foxcatcher. My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here, as I am joined here every year, by Kelly Wand. That's not how my intro goes. You're supposed to ask me to have a catchphrase. I'm sorry, Kelly. I apologize. Kelly Wand, do you have a tagline for the Foxcatcher movie that we just watched? No, but I'm just saying, if I... In general. No, you're absolutely right. I just got so caught up in the crazy for you moment that um, that I forgot to ask you for your tagline. Actually, so I don't one. have one. I probably you should don't have said a tagline. No, I was kidding. Uh, wait, what's the movie? Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher taps into our universal fears of Steve Carell if he was taupe. <laughs> I'd lose to his character at wrestling, Dingus. Yeah. Right. Is that a word you're familiar with? Because uh, a chiropractor told me he had never heard that word before. Uh, I am familiar with taupe because I uh, one of my first jobs after graduating from college was selling shoes. <laughs> and uh, in, uh, in doing that, you see the word taupe a lot. <laughs> As a man or a boy becoming a man you're like what the hell is I never remember saying that word when I was a kid well taupe is a color and you're like what color is that it's just whitish say beige or tan how about tan why why do we have to have taupe I don't know it's like flesh colored but we it's we don't even have a a word for the color of our flesh which like nine different things anyway it was really upsetting to me to have to look at taupe figure out what the difference between because I'm slightly colorblind anyway so having to constantly look at taupe well that's not really it's the absence of color taupe is but it's weird how selling socks is something Steve Carell's character would do but shoes is like the Channing Tatum's Hmm. all right well I I think we'll have to get into that a little bit later and I don't really appreciate you giving all the spoilers away about those characters right now I didn't mean the characters I meant the actors Oh, very good. Uh, Kelly Wan, do you have a... Um, now that you've given us the topopsis, do you have an IMDb-opsis for this week? Because, you know, for several weeks now, months, years, uh, we've had you doing an awesome dramatic reading. It's really taken uh, off. An IMDb um, synopsis that somebody from IMDb has put up, and then I have to guess it, and others have to guess it. Um, or get to guess it. Do you have an IMDb opsis for this? Week? Dingus, I will bet you my thousand dollars to your negative million dollars that you will not be able to guess this movie, even after <laughs> I tell you what it is. All right. Well, now I'm super excited. I have to tell you now that you said that because I I guessed Solar Babies and I didn't. I if yeah. A thousand dollars against a million. I never would have guessed that I would guess Solar Babies over snakes out of played, which you didn't get. I did not get Snakes on a Plane. I did not get Dungeons and Dragons. But I got Solar Baby. And, and, <laughs> and I Paul Weimer got all of them, I think. Was it who did? I think Paul Weimer got all of them. Paul Weimer probably did get all of them. Much to his but annoyance. But I will forever have, have like a merit badge. My quarter to three, um, my quarter three vest that I wear, my quarter three merit badge for IMDb Opsies will always have on there. Solar Babies. I got Solar Babies. 
Because yeah, that's the very, gold. I, you should do speeches at schools about how you got the Solar Babies medal. <laughs> and and these are the qualities that you have. To uh, we have. thought Kelly Wad was coming to talk. <laughs> no. Who sorry. should we make it out to? Is it Dig or Dingus? <laughs> I'm his brother, Dingus Wad. Oh, ugh. that's the principal, by the way, not me. By the way, I wouldn't never say that. But. I'm trying to play to your zone a little more because I feel bad for you because it's such an important contest (laughs) (laughs) and it's so disgraceful I think for you and you have to like I don't know I just worry about you so I'm going to read you the beginning you can make a guess at any time alright Robocop (laughs) that's the entire what no do you have any guesses? No, no, there's more. But do you have any guesses yet? You have four guesses. The uh, first three have to be I right. I don't so. have any yet. Keep going. RoboCop saves the day once more. This time, <laughs> the half-man, half-robot takes on ruthless developers who want to evict some people on, quote, their land. The megacorporation Omni Consumer Products is still based on creating their pet project Delta City to replace the rotting city of Detroit. Unfortunately, the inhabitants of the area have no intention of abandoning their home simply for desires of the company. To this end, OCP have decided to force them to leave by employing a ruthless mercenary army to attack and harass them. An underground resistance begins, and in this fight, Robocop must decide where his loyalties lie. With the people, Dingus, or with the guys who are always killing him? He has to make a decision. Are you still listening? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to sift through all of my knowledge of RoboCop to figure out what guess I'm going It's to a mercenary play. army fight, so not another RoboCop. So that narrows it down to okay. one of <laughs> one movie. I think it all the other ones he fights robots, doesn't he? So have you read the entire synopsis <clears throat> from IMDb? Yeah, I added a lot of my own stuff there. Right, I'm going to guess Judge Dredd. <sighs> I mean, no, you know what? I'm sorry, we crushed right. Tom just, on that. Just, uh, I, I, I no, that. you you met the Stallone one. I get it. That's what that yeah. one's called. You're stuck with it now. You you cannot change your guess, and now you look like a buffoon. Except you're right. So I'm the buffoon. Good work. Can we talk about something else now? I'm sick of this fucking yes. movie. Indeed we can. It's the PG-13 one. Just think of it like that. The PG-13 Robocop? Mm-hmm. Without Peter the Weller. New, the brand new one? No. Wait. Okay, the first PG-13 one that was a sequel. <laughs> he fights ninjas. One that, I, that I really loved from last year. No. That one, the Opsis is just like Robocops in a warehouse. How dare you? Uh, wait, that was this year, wasn't it? Was yeah, that a spring release? I really liked oh, that. You and Tom both did. I was the crazy person. You were the naysayer. Probably right. Like Avengers. But moving on to what we saw this week. Yes. Right? Fascinating stuff, our memories from earlier <laughs> this year. This week. If only that was recorded somewhere where people could listen to it instead of listening to prattle and prattle. If only we could prattle. go into the quarter to three movie podcast archives. If only we had a guy doing it. Say about yeah. the remake, uh, reimagining of RoboCop. 
which I still maintain, I think is a really good movie. And I love the guy in it. I think it was really great. Yeah. Just as I loved Dread. I'm a, ah, I'm a Dread and see, RoboCop apologist. You're trying to trick me. Because you remember how you and me you and me crushed Tom on that fucking Dread movie. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, we did. He, uh, he put that picture up of the guy's chin to make fun of us. And you know what? He only made fun of himself. <laughs> it often happens when you try to go chin to chin. That was his... Like Steve Carell's nose, Carl Urban was doing with his chin. But he did it with his real chin. Steve Carell had to actually... I can't work. believe you just said that. What? How dare well, that's you That's a spoiler? You can't bring up the nose. You brought it up too early. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who knows, noticed that. Ah, listen to what you said. Every Freudian slip means something. <laughs> but remember, this was the movie where last week I said, oh, the trailer made me want to see it because it looked weird good. Uh-huh. And you were like, dude, don't watch trailers. And I, yeah. Uh, but I'm always saying that to you. But if I hadn't seen the trailer, I would have gone Foxcatcher. Like, if I hadn't seen the nose, I would have gone. Mm. The nose made you want to see this? I didn't even know there was a nose until I watched the movie. Well, a lot of things in the trailer made me want to see it. But the nose of I, or went... Well, right, one, anyway, this yeah, week, right, right, right. we're still out in spoiler territory for mo- the most part. This week we saw Foxcatcher. <laughs> <laughs> We're the worst. Worst American sorry. biographical drama sports movie that is the story of a horse and the boy who wrestled him. It was directed by Bennett Miller and written by Emax Fry and Dan Futterman. Uh, hey, well, you, uh, Dan Futterman wrote Capote. No, I like all of them. I watched Moneyball because I liked. Foxcatcher. Is that a spoiler? It stars Mark Ruffalo, Anthony Michael Hall, <laughs> Deanna Miller, <laughs> Jeff Tatum, <laughs> and Steve Kerr. <laughs> I meant to do one Fox- after Ruffalo. I'm sorry. Foxcatcher is rated R for really? some drug use and a scene of violence. Oh, yeah, huh. A scene of violence. One scene of violence. Well, wrestling is pretty violent. It's not really, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, the numbers from the Quarter Three Research Laboratory, uh, who just uh, piped in the uh, the numbers Piping in our hot beaker lab. We we have these whole things, that, and then all the numbers came into a little beaker on my desk. Uh, Foxcatcher <sighs> on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive. Foxcatcher is at 83%. Yeah, seriously. Uh, on Metacritic, which is the average ratings from various reviews, Foxcatcher is at an 82. Oh, that's almost like Interstellar. Yeah, it is almost like Interstellar. Yeah, but okay, they almost match. Off, but, they're, but they're both really, really close. So Interstellar was um, the gold if in synchronicity. Uh, box office, don't really need to talk about box office for something of Foxcatcher. Um, Foxcatcher made about uh, $288,000. Um, but, uh, you know, I was surprised that the, you know, even something like Rosewater made more money than Foxcatcher, which, and Foxcatcher has huge word of mouth. But it's so only playing in two theaters. Lot of, what'd you say? It's only playing in two theaters. Rosewater's yeah. got to be playing. It's only playing in a couple of theaters. 
Um, so it's not that surprising. You can't really talk about box office as far as a movie that comes out like Foxcatcher. So no big deal. You can you all can look up to find out whether Dumb and Dumber Two was number one or number Ugh. two. Um, but Foxcatcher did fine for the number of theaters it was in. Um, so Kelly, given that we've done all of the numbers research. <laughs> Let's do some words research. Is there any words? Is there any wordsmithing you can do? I have no idea what you'd do with this. What, I, I, mean, I don't know what you're going to call this thing that that would be like a breakdown of the fox catcher, the things that happen in it, things people do. I don't know what you would call that. Would you like to guess again? So it's like the other thing. So it's just you guessing for two hours. Thing. Sure, I'll, I'll guess one thing. I'll, I'll guess the it's the fo- the fox copses. Oh. oh. You used to be better at this back when I did. I agree. With Tom you. was guessing, channeling Tom. Uh, it's the Foxcatcheropsis. Oh, of course. <clears throat> Foxcatcheropsis. Wrestling gold medalist Channing Tatum is driven on a school bus in the middle of the night to say stuff to school kids. He gets up to the podium, raises the medal around his neck, and goes, "Uh." Any questions? The kids all stand and give him a standing O. Later in the principal's office, she's cutting his check. She's all, wow, you really nailed that speech. Last week we had Mark Spitz. So should I make this out to Dave or David Schultz? Thanks for real sticklers for that one. He's all, uh, it's Mark. David couldn't make it, and his wrestling dummy couldn't make it, so here I am. She's all, ugh, I'll just make it out to the dummy. But I won gold medals that same year for wrestling and inspiring school kids. Get out of my office now. But it's the same speed. Get out. No. That night, while he's preparing some calzones, a phone calls all. David Schultz, please come to Pennsylvania next week on a helicopter. A psychotic millionaire who lives on a dairy farm with his mother in the army saw that speech you gave at the school tonight and would like to hire you to live in his chalet. Channing Tatum's all, fuck yeah, stupid brother. He puts a tractor tire in his trunk and drives to a helicopter. As he's flown over some trees by a robot doing blow, a dude with sunglasses tells him, Yeah, Steve Carell's character usually flies the copter. It's one thing he's awesome at, especially on blow, besides tantrums, although his mom thinks helicopters are for peasants. But he regrets he was unable to do so today because he was showing the local police his new mustard gas catapult. I wouldn't fuck his mom, by the way. I turn to the trophy case sitting beside me and go, That guy has too many rules. Sidebar, dingus. While watching The Godfather as a kid, I was convinced for multiple viewings that Brando's grandson kills him in the garden with all that pesticide. (laughs) Just FYI. It's a little extraneous what we were talking about. Did you even think that was an orange in his mouth, or did you think that was just the way his? I thought it helped, like it absorbed the pesticide and fucked things up worse. Like he's choking on the orange slice while the kid sprays DDT in his face, and then fair enough. Because and then Pacino had him quietly murdered for it off screen because we never see the kid again. Maybe I'm right. Interstellar ending. Steve Carell's character's nose winds up being the least fucked up thing about him. He sits Channing Tatum down in an office and goes, Thank you for coming, Channing. 
Do you know who I am? Kevin Costner. I only don't. I only have two, like three, two voices, Dingus. Plus my woman. Don't worry about it. Uh, I was told your mom's off limits. Uh, for how long, by the way? <laughs> Channing, I'm known for. Ah, uh, fuck! It is Costner. Shit. It's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Maybe that's where Carell got his thing from listening to my Costner. I wouldn't put it past him. Channing, I'm known for my athletic mastery. The only two true sports: fishing and bird watching. But just between us and my butlers here, I'm also a millionaire, just like mother. She's not half the bird watcher. I'll be in my prime. Do you know why I brought you here? Uh, someone picking on you at school? What they did to your nose sure wasn't cool. Channing, you're here because America needs me to pay you to get your brother to train some boys how to wrestle for the Olympics so I can put some gold medals in mother's trophy room. Mother thinks the only real sports is sitting on horseback watching dogs mangle a fox and manufacturing cannons on a dairy farm. But we're going to make her even prouder of me. Finally, someone who gets me, sir. Thank you, Channing. Please don't speak aloud when I'm wearing this expression or the pistol I have drawn on you under this desk may go off. Mother says aristocracy should only use machine guns in interviews, but a general brought me the wrong clipboard. It's an awesome story, sir. Thank you. Channing, do you know how I won this gold medal for ornithology I awarded myself here around my neck? Uh. Channing? <laughs> ornithology has been. Fucking God! Acting's hard. <clears throat> Channing? <laughs> Dingus, I need you to lead me here a little so I can get back into the flow. You have to be Channing for this. Channing? Alright. Good. That's good. That's what I needed. Channing. Ornithology's been my middle name since I had mother change it to that from a Roman numeral. Ornithology's my life. That's why I had Larry Bird here collected, put in this glass case here and stuffed in that order. That's why my friends, the mother went... Fuck. Okay. Tell Tom to edit all this out. No, you're doing a heck of a job, Ronnie. Channing. Ornithology's been my middle name since I had mother change it to that from a Roman numeral. Ornithology's my life. That's why I had Larry Bird here collected, put in this glass case, and stuffed in that order. That's why the friend's mother bought me, called me Golden Eagle, or Mr. Millionaire. I take ornithology as seriously as I evince personal magnetism. Because his last name's Bird, Channing. Are we on the same page? So when's your brother get here? Tatum goes to his brother's family's house and goes, Bro, sweet news, an albino bird watcher in Transylvania says we need role models. Ready? Mark Ruffalo's all. Uh, that's real nice there, buddy. Did he talk money at all? Come on, that was better than I would have thought, Diggis. <laughs> Admit. It was great. Uh, he asked me to name the highest number I could think of, so I said 25. Come on, let's go, he said. We start whenever. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I hesitated was I thought that was... That was equally an awesome Mark Ruffalo in this part and a Casey Affleck as well. You did a great job either way. By Casey Affleck, my Joaquin Phoenix are kind of the same, huh? Mm. What's her face in the Rugrats got to stay here, though? Hi, Sally. Hey, Channing, your metal there is slipping down again. What the? My ankles? Whoa! How's my Tatum holding up? How's my Tatum? Later that night, en route to a banquet... 
Steve Carell teaches Channing Tatum how to fly a helicopter while doing blow off the rotor blades. See, Channing, I told you we didn't need your brother to have fun. From now on, you and I came from the same womb. Here, I wrote you this keynote address to read to the Fortune 500 Academy of Arts and Sciences tonight. Uh, what's a millionaire? Channing, don't be intimidated by these people. They're the richest people in the world. A lot of them ex-presidents, gold medalists, people I want to impress. Many of them will be armed, and I've instructed them to shoot you if you mispronounce the words domination. Ornithologist of this word here, I can't make out. Why aren't you reading, Channing? Oh, <clears throat> uh... Hello, four dignitaries and guests. I think my name is Mark Ruffalo, but I might be the other one. Damn income taxes. The man who wrote these words for me to say is the greatest human being who ever lived. He hasn't been just an owner to me, but a brother, a taskmaster, a tyrant, a speechwriter. Did I say owner already? Can you feel the magic in these words, Channing? Here, snort this. White powder for the red, white, and blue, Channing. Keep reading. Uh, that's all you wrote. Maybe add the part at the end there where I said snort this. That sounded like something Mother would say. Later in a hotel room with his brother's family, Channing Tatum's all, Man, fuck you guys and your parents. You didn't even bow to him when you said hi. Now do you want to watch this video of him fishing in slow motion in the National Anthem or not? Later in a different hotel room, What the fuck, buddy? Trash in your hotel room I can get, but who gains weight after snorting an eight ball? Come on, we only got 90 seconds to change your weight class. Oh, God, he's the same guy. With his brother's loving assistance in kicking Nestle Crunch and the capricious affections of the insane, Channing Tatum wins the Olympics, but then he loses them. Carell switches brothers. Unfortunately for all concerned, one day Steve Carell shows up on the brother's porch to show off his new revolutionary war coat. The brothers all... Come on, man, it's Sunday. Kids and I were about to watch Despicable Me. Steve Carell's all, You sound just like Mother. Shoots him 18 times, then drives home. A newspaper's all, Millionaire and lifelong savior of city, John DuPont, outwrestles Pennsylvania Police Department. <laughs> Headline written by John DuPont. The end. <laughs> so, there was a Q&A with the director, Bennett Miller, at the screening I was at. What? Wait, what? Yeah, see? Wait, what screening did you go to? Gosh darn it. I didn't know. I didn't plan it. It was like the matinee yesterday on Saturday. Oh, damn it. Are you serious? Yeah, I, I mean, I would have... Well, I invited you. But, I know you did. But I, I didn't know. Oh, damn it. Uh, well, tell me. He what? said, okay... He said, the first question they asked him, they go, did any members of the DuPont family see it? And he said that, like, a lawyer was around all the time. Or not all the time, but just, like, this isn't a happy event. But he said only one person in the family had seen it, and that person apparently liked it and said, Steve Carell totally nailed that guy. But, like, the wife was really helpful. Yeah, but how was his performance? Who, Steve Carell? Uh, and he offered Channing Tatum the role before he'd written the script because he wanted an, to cast an unknown. And he'd seen Channing Tatum in A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, where I guess he plays a wrestler. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, one of the first things I, I think, the maybe the very first thing I ever saw him in. 
Uh, and he said this is the only guy who can do this, so that's why he wanted Channing Tatum. But he said Steve Carell, he didn't audition, but Steve Carell came to him and said, I've always played characters with mushy centers, and this guy seems like he has one, but he doesn't. And then Bennett Smithsole. Yeah, that's true. So that's how he got it. And also Mark Ruffalo was, I guess, a re- he's a real-life former state wrestling champion, but he's a righty, but he learned how to do lefty maneuvers so he could play Dave Schultz more authentically. Wow. And then... Okay, this one's really good, and I think this is the last one that I remember. is uh, For the breakdown scene in the hotel room, Channing Tatum asked for safety glass to be put in the mirror, and he was he was kind of in his zone, like not talking to anyone because he was going to... They needed he needed his space, but like he bashed his head through the wall and like sprayed all those shards of real glass in his face, and he like avoided this two by four by less than an inch, like. So, uh, I guess he hit it harder than the safety glass. I suppose. I guess it was a real hotel room. So was Ben and Miller the only one there at the Q and A? Yeah. It was just Bennett Miller. It was Bennett Miller, and like a girl from Variety was like introducing him. I got the name of his document. So there was a there was a moderator there and Bennett yeah. Miller, but nobody, no like ancillary, like not no, no. none of the writers, no no ancillary no. actors. No, it was just, just Bennett him. Miller. Just Bennett Miller. Holy cats! Why no. did he? Why? That's so weird. I don't know. It was a packed house though. It was like all. Uh, I mean, so assuming he didn't come alone, but he was. Have you? Have you seen uh, his other major movies? I saw Moneyball after seeing this, and really oh, okay. Liked it. Um, and you said you really liked it. Yeah, I hadn't seen it because I go, I don't give a shit about baseball. But then after I saw Foxcatcher, I go, I better study this guy's really work. And Chris Pratt's in it, and fucking, it was a weird movie. Like just, and it was a really, I don't know. It, it is. It is a really weird movie, and I watched it again this week as well. Have you seen Capote? Yeah, I love Capote. All right, so you've seen the three major movies that Bennett Miller has done: this, Capote, and Moneyball. And you seem and uh, let me just uh, let me just ask, uh, how do you feel about this one? Uh, I think it's fascinating. I was I was I got the sense that it was. I mean, it's a very long movie, and there's a not. It's not like Moneyball is very Hollywoody and kind of fast paced, considering what it's about. But this one's very. Um, this one's kind of more of an organic. Like there's a lot of scenes of like just two dudes wrestling, kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. But I was really impressed. Like the acting's so perfect for all of them. Uh, I was fascinated. It was one of those things where I, I seen the trailer, but I didn't know the news story, so I kind of watched it, not knowing what was what was coming or what what was going to happen. Because um, in the trailer, there's that part where he comes into the gym and like shoots the gun at the roof. To like inspire them and then bails again. He doesn't do that to inspire them. He does that because he's crazy. Well, that's what I meant. Right. But he thinks he's inspiring them. I mean, I'm trying to look he at it from his he, point. I don't of view. think he thinks he's inspiring them. I think he does it and then he makes an excuse for doing it to say that he's inspiring them. I think he's a crazy person. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, but so so uh, so. But you, you didn't like his performance, so a, Steve. A Foxcatcher, you you really you really like Foxcatcher. I do. The acting, um, like I said, I, I'm not. Acting to me is more of a novelty because I don't really have any interest in doing it. So when it wait, what do you mean acting is more of a novelty? Well, I don't really well, get it. Well, let, let me just say this. Um, one of the things that I find fascinating about you, Kelly, 
is that you when whenever uh, Tom or I will complain about the acting, you will tend to say that's the writer's fault. So it's interesting to me to hear you say that acting is a novelty because I'm not sure what you mean by the word novel. Well, when something when people are good at it, um, I can appreciate it more. Well, as with writing, I'm always kind of like I sort of use a lot of negative energy in my own stuff. So I'm always I can't really enjoy writing correctly. I think when even whether it's good or bad in a movie, because um, I'm always just sort of studying it. But with acting, it's such a it's such an alien landscape to me that it's kind of more. It's like it's like never reading a locked room mystery, and then when you read one, you're like, whoa, what the fuck, how could that be? Like it's more exciting to you than it would be if you were an authority in it. Because it's not something I really profess to even understand. And this is like a very actorly movie. Like a lot of it's just acting, I think. Um, like as yeah, opposed yeah. to Moneyball. Like yeah, like and um, and it's about. I mean, it's about wrestling. Um, it's not though. I don't think it is about wrestling. And and that's that's what's weird about this. And and this is what's weird about uh, what's so fascinating. For me to hear that you liked Moneyball so much, because I, because I, I, I watched Moneyball again, and I watched it the the first when it first came out, and my contention was then, as it is now, watching it again just to make sure that everybody who says, uh, if you don't care about baseball, you'll still love Moneyball. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know if that's um, true. Is that what people? I, 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 the, it, but that's that's sort of the the standard uh, the standard line is if. You know, even if you don't like baseball, you're going to love Moneyball because it's not a movie about baseball. It's about wow, that's bullshit. numbers or something. I don't know. I don't know what that means because I because I've watched it twice now and I liked it much more the second time watching it this week. Um, mainly because Brad Pitt is so darn good. At yeah. It. Um, and Jonah Hill is so interesting yeah. and the way that develops and it's so much fun to see, as you said, to see Chris Pratt suddenly come out into the forefront and like, oh, holy cats! You know, he doesn't do a lot in this movie, but. Now that we've seen <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, here's this guy. So it's exciting to see these guys, and they're really good in it. But for my for my money, uh, I don't care about baseball. I hate watching it uh, unless I'm at the park. I if I have to watch it on TV, I would rather honestly clip my toenails. Um, so, I, but it was I fascinating. With I disagree with anybody who says that Moneyball. If you don't care about baseball, Moneyball's ass. That sounds like. Something baseball fans would tell you to try and make you to try and trick uh, you into the theater. I, I totally think that's what it is. Now, that that said, Bennett Miller does a heck of a job in making Moneyball that book, uh, a, which is basically a a story about baseball and numbers mm -hmm. into a compelling drama. Uh, at the end, you're kind of like, eh. um, no, I was fascinated. It's such a. I think I'm because I don't really follow baseball either, but I like know just enough about it to where it's interesting. I'm like, it's the idea that there's like this this secret code to all the statistics was sort of in, like. It, I mean, it's you can I enjoy it on the same level as a margin call. Like that's all about numbers too. Oh well, you know, you, that's actually excellent, Kelly. Um, I think margin call is a far more. Uh, is far well crafted, and and understands how to make a human drama much better. Because for me, when I'm looking at Moneyball, what I'm wondering is, um, all right, so he's making a decision not to take this job. I think it's because of 
him wanting to stay in the same town with his kid. No, but, it's the team too. He's he's it's got to be the A's. That's but, that's really interesting to me. But the drama with his kid and his and the other people. The the problem is that it. I just don't think they quite. I, you know, I love that you brought up Margin Call because I think Margin Call, which is a one day movie uh, rather than a season, uh, Margin Call is much yeah. more dramatic. And 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 for me. The, the relationships are much more meaningful than they are in uh, Moneyball. Well, I like them both. I mean, they both have really good performances in them, and they're both about sort of the same thing, like something that's interesting to me, which is just like how people make money off of crunching math. Like, it's not something I'm good at. Maybe it's the same thing as acting. It's like, it's so foreign to me. It's it's weird. For me, this movie and Capote and um, Foxcatcher are about moments in a character's life where the character decides to change everything, where um, where like in yeah. in Moneyball, that character uh, Brad Pitt is playing decides I'm throwing everything else out and I'm going to change everything that I do in order to make a, a life decision that will change my life and the business that I'm leaving, and that's also true of in Capote. Capote's decided in order to advance my career, I am going to sacrifice uh, part of my humanity. And I'm going to change everything about myself, and I think that's true as well in Foxcatcher that um, that a character, uh, namely um, Channing Tatum's character, decides uh, I'm going to sacrifice everything that I'm going for, and I'm going to go for something completely other. Um, so I, I think that Ben and Miller has sort of these ideas going on, um, uh, but I don't know that that I, I mean I love that you brought up. Um, margin call but I don't know that, that I don't know well, that not in re- well not in reference to Foxcatcher like only right. with the premise of Moneyball which by the way Soderbergh was fired from like the week before they were to start filming so Bennett Miller came on oh I didn't know that yeah he was going to have interviews and like like Interstellar does with, like, I think the old- other thing about Bennett Miller I mean what do you think about the well, okay uh, let's uh, what do you think about Steve Carell in this I mean, I think you you've said that you think that the um, the uh, performances are uniformly good. Well, I think he's maybe the least he's the least interesting character, and he's in the movie the least, and it's it's sort of the gim- the most gimmicky of the three. Um, he's probably my least favorite of the three, but only he also he he has like the kind of the tallest mountain to climb in because the reason he said he cast him Bennett Miller said was because the whole idea was like you wouldn't expect Steve Carell to be in the role and you wouldn't have expected this guy to kill somebody so it's that same kind of unexpectedness and then when I got home after I'd seen the movie I watched a video of the guy the John DuPont like from 88 just to just like do he really do anything or just put on the nose and he, the guy has like a deeper voice but he is sort of similar in that he does have those same pauses and he was he was fishing and saying something like, "Yeah, look, the the like the like your voiceover goes. He still keeps his sense of humor, that John Dupont. And then he says something like, "Yeah, my friends think they're fishing champions, but I do better than a lot of them." And like that's supposed to be like his showing his sense of humor. So stuff that to me was in the movie and all that's got to be an embroidery. Wait, so Bennett Miller said one of the things that. He was thinking was that you wouldn't expect this guy to kill somebody. Well, that's why he cast. That's why he. That was a, an asset he saw to casting Carell, 
It, well, I'm I'm so happy that you said that because, in, and I guess I didn't say this early on. I really, uh, the more I think about it and write this movie, the the less I like it, and I don't understand why everybody's crazy about it. Because that that particular thing that you just said kind of solidifies for me what I don't Your like. Disenchantment. About. You didn't like the. It's not just a disenchantment. It's 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 that feeling at, at the end that I've been duped. Um, that. <laughs> Really? Once we get, yeah, I definitely didn't feel like that. Oh, when we get to that 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 final that what the director thinks is the climax, um, the, you know, this is this is a weird thing for me to say, Kelly. Because wait, what you, do you mean? Uh, this is the climax, the the driveway, or the last shot of the movie? No, dr- the guy is shooting him. Oh, okay, That's the okay, climax okay. of the movie. Right? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like but Mark is the last shot. It's the climax of this story. It is the climax of this movie, but I don't think it's the climax of this story. Um, and I think that a, a better a, a, a director who has a, a more sure hand as far as making a biographical picture would understand how to structure this in a different way. Because I don't think the story is structured properly. Because because when we get to that point at the end, he's I think Bennett Miller, and, and I would hope that you would. Like come against me on this. Um, when you get to that point where he shoots him at the in the driveway, I'm like, you know that I don't know this story. You understand that because this is an obscure story about American wrestling. So we're not going to know this. Most of the people who are going to see this aren't going to know this. I didn't. So you've held it to the end to surprise us with this autobiographical moment that's like, ooh, you didn't know this was going to happen, did you? And I felt totally just not duped is the wrong word, but cheated um, because I've been with these characters all along. This is the one moment. This is the one time, one of very few times. And I hate to say this. I absolutely hate to say this. Where I would, would where I would have preferred to see that at the beginning and then seven years before or whatever to build up to how we got to that point. Um, because getting to that point, knowing the characters as I knew them. And then just having this guy drive up and shoot him, and knowing this is a true story, just felt like such a. It just felt so cheap to me. Well, here's the thing: Do we? Does he expect us to know that though when we go in? Like I thought maybe I was in the minority who didn't know that story just because it happened 20 no, years ago. No, none of us do, and 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 because it's true, it feels cheap to me. It's it's it just feels tawdry and cheap. It's like. I'm just showing you a tabloid, but I'm filming it for you. Well, he said he said he did that. Well, why didn't you tell us a story instead? It's just cheap. Well, he did. What happened was the evolution of the story was like he was he made a documentary called The Cruise, I guess, about like a tour guide in New York City, and a guy comes up after the movie, like at some screening of it, and like gave him the newspaper clippings of the story of the shooting. And then he's all, yeah, this is tabloid sensationalist bullshit. And then he like did more research on it and went, yeah, the trial was bullshit too. But then he like he just kept going, like it was like an eight year production cycle, and he got involved with the Schultzes and something about it was interesting to him about like how like this guy had won the Olympics, got involved with this millionaire, and then winds up. I mean, the thing for me, I don't know if I can come against you because in our in real life, apparently, the guy kind of snapped like for a few months after, like before, prior to that, and he got way worse. And like 
he attributed his shooting of David Schultz to like he was part of the conspiracy to get me. Like it had nothing to do with even anything that were shown in the movie. And then even in the but movie, he's a crazy person. He goes crazy on from drugs like within months. So in a way, I, I you're you're kind of right. And I remember thinking during the movie, I go, well, okay, so he. Channing Tatum's character is not even on the farm anymore. He's not in the movie, and the brother now lives there. Despite his the setup of like I'd never do that for money. Now he's only on the farm, and then because the guy shows up on a Sunday and it, they have an awkward conversation that happens. Like, how did we get to this point? Like, it did seem I have to concur with you a little abrupt, and I was gonna, I was actually kind of, I didn't feel duped but i felt like i'd gotten good value for the movie and i really liked the last shot like after that where you just see shannon shannon tatum's like come from gold winning gold medals to just being in like a, a gladiatory gladiatorial like cage match kind of thing like i liked that arc uh what's your favorite performance in the movie mark ruffalo oh absolutely i'm so glad you said that what He's do you like, like what do you like about it uh he just felt like a real dude and it really felt he was he's much small like Channing Tatum is really really big in this movie even for him I think that's got to be like because I, I mean 22 Jump Street was only a few months ago but like Mark Ruffalo is so tiny next to him but he's playing the older brother and he's skilled and like he's he's just the most engaging character he feels he's, like someone from Moneyball certainly Ball. the most complete character yeah he feels like a human being uh, I like how he moves. I love their wrestling scenes together. I like Channing Tatum in it too, and I liked how they. Uh, were, it's like brothers wrestling, and I don't know. Every scene with them it, together was great. I'm so glad you said it like that, um, because uh, one of the things was, uh, you know, I wanted to take um, my girlfriend to see this movie, but she said I've heard it's just too violent. <laughs> um, well, I don't think that's true. Well, it's certainly not violent, and I and I sort of who said that? That's a weird. I, I said, that's the same people who said Moneyball. What, what do you mean it's too violent? She said, well, you know, it's wrestling. It's like boxing. And and uh, what I tried to say, and, and I, I I know wrestling because my, my father uh, was a high school wrestler in, in in central Pennsylvania, by the way. And, and, you know, in central Pennsylvania, one of the things that's wonderful about this movie is that wrestler at the wrestling programs constantly had to work to get money. And they, they would, like... They would deride other sports like basketball because they could get money, but the wrestlers couldn't get money. Um, because it, but but it's far from a violent yeah. sport. It's you know, and and one of the things that's wonderful that you have Channing Tatum doing is because he's a great dancer, uh, as we know from seeing Magic Mike. Um, and for me, when I was trying to describe how wrestling is not violent in the way, because she because she said, uh, I just equate it with boxing. Well, boxing is pummeling some uh, your opponent. Um, wrestling is more akin to like two gymnasts who are trying to do the same routine, but they're forced to do it in the same space. Um, but the wrestler, like what'd you say? Well, I was gonna say like the wrestler is really violent and like that kind of like well, well yeah, yeah, like that's not the same. Professional right, right, right. wrestling or MMA, those types of things. But Greco-Roman wrestling, like like in this, right. is is more akin to a dance or or competitive gymnastics, if you can imagine what I'm talking about, like mm -hmm. this. Like we both have a gymnastics routine, and we have to do it in this little tiny circle. We and we have to do our routine at the, in the same space, and we have to find a way to do that because 
there is certainly grappling, there is certainly uh, pain, there is certainly a certain amount of violence going on, but it's more like uh, this sort of weird dance than it is about violence. So that was weird for me. And that Channing Tatum was in this was great because he's a really good dancer. And so it was obvious that he would be able to move to that. I had no idea that Mark Ruffalo had been a wrestler. Uh-huh. And the way he used his so hands. Natural. Yeah, yeah. The way he moves. Even in the scenes where he's not wrestling, like with his family and just his body language. Oh, he's so great. Kelly, he's mm-hmm. so great yeah. in every aspect of his role. Mm-hmm. Uh, of but And most of all, being a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the way... Older he, brother. Yeah, being an older brother yeah. who... Who and I love their dynamic. I love how Channing Tatum is such a dope and can't see those things. And 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 Mark Ruffalo's like, you're not alone in this. And he holds him in the uh. hotel room and he's looking after him and he's taking care of him. But he's also stern with him when he understands that his brother's become an addict. I love Mark Ruffalo in this. He's perfect. He and and at one point in my notes in the movie, and this doesn't make any sense because of what you just said. It, you're totally right. He's just like a small dude. I wrote Mark Ruffalo is a beast because there's this moment where he goes into a wrestling match and he and he and he's like he just looks kind of like schlubby and he's moving around, but then he takes off and then he's in his singlet and he just looks like oh my god that guy he's a beast yeah oh, and he well he moves with that. such confidence too like even yeah. when he's 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 no matter who he's wrestling whether it's Channing Tatum or anyone and you can just go the guy's getting he knows the skills he knows every he. He has like a really good sense of his own capabilities. He understands the science of what he's doing. And that's the thing. That's why I think you should like the movie more. And I think maybe you were just too pissed off about it. But it's like the greatest character of the movie gets killed by some fuckwad. And it's like, yeah. what? That's what? That's the payoff to this? You made me love this dude. You gave me the best one of the best performances I've seen. And he gets shot by that fuck, fucking nose job, Steve Carell. Fuck you. Fuck you, movie. Well, what pisses me off is that the all the the that's the uh, tragedy dingus the is for for you know this is this is a let's get a let's get an Academy Award yeah but that's dumb I know it's stupid kind of a thing I mean it's they always do that happened right. to Philip Seymour Hoffman and Capote although mm-hmm. I thought he was great in Capote same thing that you know kind of Brad Pitt is going through in Moneyball a little bit um, but this well is Jonah like, Hill was the Steve Carell in Moneyball. Oh, very good, yeah. And then that nose, which they feature so prominently, like, I'm going to call myself an eagle, and then we're going to show this nose the whole time. But his nose was really like that, and he really was that. Like, I think that came from the... That's the thing about biopics. Who cares? I don't eh. want to see... Uh, I don't want to see an impression. I, Jesus! No, he's America. That's what, That's the thing. That's the theme of the movie, is like this, this, no, this terrible nose that you're looking at kills the likes of Mark Ruffalo. We should all take stock. Okay, what were you gonna say? <laughs> I don't. Know. I was just. I was just. Well, I mean, Carl's not in the movie as much as a the press materials would indicate, and b enough for you to be this upset. But maybe, I mean, you're still maybe you saw it today, right? You're still like seething about. Uh, I'm not seething. I mean, it's a, maybe, it's a better movie than I. I think part of it is so much good acting. Mind. You're throwing part of Ruffalo to the bus. It's such a depressing. Movie. Well, yeah. It is. It's not fun. Because of what you just said about... And, and this is unfair as a reviewer. You kind of have to say, like, if I have a lot of fun at a movie, that's fine, but how good is the movie? If I'm sad at the end of a movie, that's fine, but how good is the movie? And and given that my favorite character 
gets summarily shot, and I feel sort of like it's a cheap shot, like like the like this is a real thing that happened, and we all know this going in, except for me. I'm the right. and I'm me. The idiot. I'm the mark, and you and you totally like ripped pulled the rug out from under me because everybody else knows this but me because I didn't bother to read the story of Right, me either. But I was uh, appalled. I felt the same way you did. I went, hey, good job, movie. You made me just feel as, horrif- as horrified as, as Diggis will later. All right, well, fair enough. I, you like, know, I was I, emotionally, I was, I felt ho- more, just like, oh, Mark Ruffalo, really? That guy? Got shot by that guy? Fuck! Like, even if it's just like a random thing, like, that's, that's the American dream. That's, the, that's what he's saying. It's such a good performance. Come on, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, all right, you've, you've you got to like the whole movie because I mean, he's so good at it. But, but but my hope is that, uh, that everybody else understands that the 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 anchoring performances is in this is Mark Ruffalo. It's not. Uh, it's not. Yeah, but that's you running around with a with a big nose and action. Sure, but that's that's you doing what you accuse me of, like like putting giving too much weight in the trailers, like going by the marketing material rather than what I saw. Because I didn't go they exactly. It's like we don't. Here's the thing: we didn't know Mark Ruffalo was going to be the breakout performance. We've been going, all right, Corral's nose. Let's see what happens. And then Mark Ruffalo just we fall in love with that dude. I didn't even know it was him at first. I didn't either. I didn't either. And he's just he's just he's perfect. Perfect. Such a different weight class from those guys. As much as I love Channing Tatum, and I do love that guy, um, Mark Ruffalo is just in a different weight class. And so when Steve Carell slaps, I mean, I, and this is this is very clearly part of the theme of the movie when he slaps Channing Tatum, and then when later on Mark Ruffalo slaps him and then hugs him, those competing slaps. Oh man, you're just talking about two different. Well, and Tatum slaps Carell back is a later thing. So there's a three-way slap. That's a good point. I guess Carell never slaps Ruffalo. But, I mean, put it this way. The things you're you're hating are definitely deliberate, so if they didn't work for yeah. you... Like, it's yeah. not Bennett going, like, missed, like calling it off. Like he, th- like, he wants you to feel this way. You know, I, th- you know, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think I'm probably being unfair because, you know, part of it is that sort of like uh, I'm watching a movie about mommy issues and and this like addict tedium, but this is a true story, supposedly, and so I have to accept those sort of like, really, we're going to have a guy who has mommy issues and she has horses, so he gets dudes, then he's on cocaine, and then he gets... It's sort of like Boogie Nights for... uh, for guys who do wrestling, I mean it. It, it could have been, but like I think there was a, a supposed like an implicit, not explicit, like a homosexual angle, but it's not really well, in the movie. I wanted to ask you that. Do you think that? Do you think that's what was going on there? He said because they asked him about that too at the Q and A, oh. and he basically oh. said. It's like a little of it. Like there was a there was a nickname for what was it? It was something he did where he would feel their testicles the actual guy but it never went past that like he was like it was just like another thing submerged in his weirdness but it wasn't like the main thing and he said he didn't want the movie to be like that's not what his thing was although what his thing really was was mostly drugs it sounds like like he changed but do you think there was that uh, that that level to their relationship in particular to Jenny uh, Tatum's and and Steve Carell's I think it's Supposed to be very subtly implied, but there's nothing we didn't see. 
Like I think it's just a little. I think it's we a layer. We didn't see it, but I think it's. I think it's pretty. I mean, the frosted tips on his hair. Yeah. Him, him then grooming Steve Carell, kneeling before him. Right. The way he looks at him once once they quote unquote break up. The way he 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 doesn't want him in his corner. Um, the difference in the way they like wave towels. I think it's very clear that they had that kind of relationship. Sure, but a lot of that... I don't understand why the movie shies away from it. I don't think it shies. I think it's just more like... I I understand that Bennett Miller doesn't want the movie to be about that, but I think... I honestly think that you can structure this movie in a way that is much more interesting than the way this movie is structured. That Um, whole, like, we're going to get to the end and it's going to be like movie of the week, like, ha-ha, we shoot that guy. For me, it it just felt too cheap. Well, he like I, like he he knew about the shooting before he like that was the first thing he knew. So maybe to him, he just figured we all. Knew. No, for him, it was his like M Night Shyamalan. I'm, I'm like gonna okay, we're gonna go up to this moment of the movie, and that's gonna be my thing. Uh, but you know, again, and I hate this because I don't like the convention of two days earlier. But I think in in this case, I hate it usually. Movie, yeah. Oh, I hate it! I absolutely hate it. It's cheaper but than what you're talking you about. Properly, too. it's brilliant. When's it? If you, can make, well, if you can like, if you can show me that moment and then make me want to watch the rest of the movie to find out how we got there, then you know how to make it. Well, movie. what to use the gold standard for the two days later device being, or is it just like a general? Like, is there one uh, example? Gold in standard would be the movie The Crazies. <laughs> All right. Having said that, uh, let's do an over under. Um, Kelly Wan, do you have a movie that you would uh, that you would think is over this particular uh, movie that we watched, Fox Catcher? Uh, well, I definitely liked. I put it. There's fewer overs for me than there probably for you. Although I did watch Moneyball after it, which kind of maybe tempered the bummer factor, but. For unlikely murderer relationship biopics, I think I'd go with Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. Did you ever see that with Kate Winslet, Melanie Linsky? Oh, definitely. I, I I love that movie. I haven't seen it in freaking years, but I wouldn't even have considered this of that. Another biopic too, and Mr. Woodcock for wrestlers with mom issues. <laughs> uh, for me, wrestlers with the uh, mom issues, the over would clearly be win-win. Ah. Wait, that's the over? That's my over, yeah. <laughs> wow. I would put win-win over this very much, but not Just only for, for that reason, but because it, it, and one, this is one of the things that I think Tom would have come in with uh, had he been here, is like how Sundancey is this film. Yeah. And one of the things that we argued about when we did the win-win podcast um, was how how Sundancey is win-win. And I was a huge proponent of I think we all liked that. I think we all did too, um, but the problem for me, as far as Fox character is concerned, there's no emotional center to it as Amy Ryan was in Win-Win. No, Mark Ruffalo is the Amy Ryan, isn't he? Uh, Mark Ruffalo is a driving force, but I don't think he's that kind of. Maybe it's a maternal thing I'm looking for because Amy Ryan was just. I I mean I I just even when I when even when I think about the way she played some of those scenes and how protective she was. There's there's sort of a different quality to that, and I mean you're right. Mark Ruffalo does have that in that hotel room scene where he where he holds Channing Tatum. It's a beautiful moment, and I believed it. Um, but for me, there's nobody like that 
specifically that sort of female Amy Ryan energy as I loved in Win Win. What about so Vanessa Redgrave? Would be heavenly creatures. My over would be Win Win. Hmm. Do you remember liking Win Win? Yeah, I loved the kid, and it was uh, wrestling. Paul Giamatti's really good in it. I remember thinking it was kind of. It just sort of wrapped up. It's one of those kind of movies. Right, it's like yeah, I think everyone right. hates each other and they go, all right, we're cool. Yeah. Wrapped up, not to use wrestling. Like enough said. Ah, see? And I love the wrestling in Win Win. I, I mean, I loved it in this too, mainly because I love what Mark Ruffalo was doing. I love the way he, his body. Moves. Yeah. It looks really tough. Like, it looks, it's like. Yeah. Primal exertion. Like, just too. Like but no, so economical. Yeah. It's just like I'm just gonna do this whenever I need to do it, and uh, and I'm gonna be very careful with every single move I'm making. This is a masterful performance, yeah. and and I'm afraid it will not be recognized because it's the third level performance in a movie, and the nose performance is going to be. But Mark Ruffalo's performance, this is a masterful performance, absolutely. So, what is your under? What would be your under for Foxcatcher? Uh, blow with Johnny Depp. Why? Uh, it's a biopic with cocaine in it. Um, just like where I didn't give a shit what happened. Well, as in this, actually, I was really enwrapped. I think maybe my other complaint, since we're not talking about the movie anymore, technically, but like <laughs> Channing Tatum's character, like how did he get there? Like I guess in real life, there he had. He, I mean, he had a wife and kids, but in this movie, you get the sense like he's never left. But like, he he's won a gold medal, so it's like, why is he so bummed out at the beginning of the movie? Just like he's not as popular. Like his brother's always looking out for him, so it's not like he's. I alone. think because he's basically an ape. I mean, somebody says that, but he's gonna be happy, and he and he's constantly looking like an ape. I mean, the performance is he's holding his mouth like an ape. He's he's a He's a primate. He doesn't have any other way to do what he does, but what he does, and but he can't just be at peace with that. <laughs> I don't know. I guess what? No, he, he can't be an athlete. Right. He has a brother who isn't, and he goes to talk to little kids in his brother's stead, and he doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. And he gets twenty bucks for doing that. Well, and and Bennett Miller said he hasn't lost a match in six years, and like that, where he like beats himself up, like his whole thing was like to make. The concept of losing so intolerable that he couldn't he couldn't do it or something. So maybe that gets on your gets on top of you. Yeah, I would think that would ride you. See, uh, my my under would be, and and I feel good that you chose below for the reasons you choose. Uh, I would choose a beautiful mind as my under. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that entire movie. I always kind of zone out during it. There's no reason to. Um, because as bad as I thought the uh, the representation of mental illness was in Foxcatcher, and I really don't appreciate Steve Carell's performance at all. I think he's a mentally ill. Uh, he's playing a mentally ill character, and he doesn't understand how to play that character other than like having sort of a slack jaw and a big nose. And the makeup, I think, is horrible in this movie. Um, in general, or just him. Well, I would I would say just him. I mean, there, there's a moment where they they go into the hotel room, where he first meets um, David, 
uh, and David like wrestling with his kids on the bed. This is another thing that Mark Ruffalo is just like playing with his kids. He's just doing it, and he's like tossing his kids around while he's doing a scene. And he's so careful, but he's 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 like a dad. He's a dad uh-huh. there on the bed. But but Steve Carell comes into the room to meet him, and he looks like he's he's like been grafted with this weird mask on his face. Uh, and I guess they must have just had a bad day that day. But I think that that's how those dudes look, though. That's how rich people look sometimes. I, I think his makeup is horrible. But anyway, um, uh, but I but I would choose a beautiful mind because I think the representation of mental illness in that movie is far worse than in this. At least Steve Carell. At least we don't know for sure that uh, that John Dupont is a schizophrenic or whatever whatever is supposed to be wrong with him. I I haven't read up on him. I don't know that he is. But they don't make that explicit. But in Beautiful Mind, it's just. It's just a painful thing to watch. Well, Beautiful Mind, isn't it a twist, too? Like, oh. See, I don't remember. I thought it was a spy movie, but it, he's crazy. It's such a, I just think it's such a crappy movie that I don't even... I, all, all I could think of was like, uh, all right, we're supposed to think that this is a guy with mental illness that does something terrible at the end. Fine. Uh, what's, the, what's a movie that I hate that does that? Because I, I can't think of movies that I really hate about wrestling, and I didn't really... Well, Beautiful Minds, it's like you get the sense watching Foxcatcher that the people involved really studied wrestling. And in Beautiful Mind, you don't get the sense that anyone actually like learned physics. Right. Yeah, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. You're right. I love that you just said that about wrestling because I, I got that sense too. Yeah, and that's what I was... definitely got that sense. And that's to me what makes it a really good movie is like it feels authentic in little ways like that, like except for the Steve Carell thing. And I think maybe that's supposed to be deliberate. Like he's obviously he looks fake, his makeup's fake. There's scenes where he wrestles ineptly at it with the makeup that you hate. Like I think all that's supposed to be. Yeah, he wrestles ineptly with a man that's been paid off, and that's cute. But Connolly's yeah. cute and beautiful mind. But I love, <laughs> I love how this movie understands. I do love about Foxcatcher. That it understands the economics of wrestling. Yeah, and, but, actual, actual wrestling, not like not like entertainment wrestling. I do like. That. I can think I like his theme, so I'm. What the dumbasses told you about, even if you don't like baseball, you like it. Like I think I like movies that deal with the stuff that Foxcatcher is kind of saying. Like even when it's not presented as elegantly as. I do too. I mean, I, I really like the idea of what Foxcatcher was going for. I just think that I don't know. For me, it was just an unsatisfying way to tell the story, and it was. And maybe it's just me being like I'm so depressed at the end. Right? It's just like, yeah. such a depressing story. But 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 that just might be me on this particular day. Who knows? All right. So now we're done with our over under. We're moving on to, to our mini. Yay! Yay! Which, uh, are you yay? Did you watch? Uh, okay, so yeah. you chose the movie based on us having watched Interstellar last week. <laughs> you, I regret you, nothing. You tasked me and uh, a few of our listeners with watching a different movie. Um, and what was the movie that you asked us all to watch? I asked you to watch the John Carpenter motion picture from 1974, Dark Star. <laughs> and I watched it again because I felt bad about the... Uh, uh, what's the fucking Andy Griffiths movie? Face the crowd. You can't even think of it. I know, I'm dumb. I'm an idiot. <sighs> I'm sorry. Fuck. Yeah, Fox catches left the me. Crowd, 
you watched His Girl Friday, which is perfectly fine because <laughs> His Girl Friday is a classic movie. Now, it's so dated. It, it's not so dated. Are you kidding? Is well, Your Girl Friday? Dated. It is dated because it's about newspapers and we don't really have that anymore. But His Girl Friday, I can watch that. I, I watch that, I, I would say, every year or two. I love that. I, it's a romantic movie. I think that's why I don't like it. I love Cary Grant. It's just that it's like, oh, I now I understand why I like Aaron Sorkin stuff so much because yeah. he watched stuff like this and he just cribbed that sort of rhythm. Yeah, um, no, I do like those. Yeah, I like when people. Da, 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 da. Uh, I like to think they talked that fast in RL back then, but I think it was just movies doing it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but that's not but, yeah. easy to do even in a no. movie. Not easy to do that. Only George Lucas can do it modern times. Do you have to have people who know how to write. Yes. And, and there's His Girl Friday. There's Sweet Smell of Success. There's a few old movies that know how to do that pattern, like did it, did it, did it. And Aaron Sorkin can get. Yeah, he's kind of the only one. That's where he gets it, and that's why I like that you watch that, and why I watch it so often. But they both talk the same, and just like his characters all kind of talk a little similar when he's really. Oh yeah, they're they're all talking. They're all brilliant. They're all his voice. Yeah. And they're all walking while they're They're all geniuses. Um, But anyway, Uh, this week we watched... Dark Star, speaking of. Dark Star. Which is a movie about people talking slowly and rarely. (laughs) Because after Interstellar, I wanted to fucking put space in perspective. I think Interstellar missed the point of the universe, and I think Dark Star gets it. Um... And it's the right length, Dark Star. I think no mo- movie about space should be longer than Dark Star. <laughs> but would you say you watch His Girl Friday once a year? Like, I think I watch Dark Star once every few years. I've only seen it twice, um, both at your behest. Once that you didn't know you were making me watch it, and this time that you did. What was the other time? I don't remember that. All right, you did a three-by-three. Three. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll get back to three by threes once Tom is back, and he'll be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully, or maybe. Really? Of, uh, well, you know, a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks. I, I might be jumping the gun. He'll be back in a few months. Um, he's he's recovering. He'll be back, uh, and then we'll get back to three by three. He didn't but, get Joe versus Volcano. He was telling me tonight. That's an update for Tom. About I've Tom. never even seen that movie. Oh, you didn't watch so it with him. You so, can file that away. All right. For Club where you want me to watch. Quarter authority, many penny move club. But, uh, but by three once, where you're like, your your topic was three things you've never seen in a movie. And what I chose to do was see three movies Kelly Wand uh, had suggested that I'd have never seen before. But not Zapped. Um, was, Zapped was not one of them. Zapped was not one of them. Okay, good. I saw Zapped many times growing up because there's a breast in um, The three double. movies I saw were uh, uh, Dark Star, um, jeez, uh, 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 Human Centipede. And, <laughs> I apologize uh, for that one. I don't apologize for Dark Star, but go and on. Martyrs. Ah, um, Martyrs. See, that was yeah. more. That was less of a Kelly Wad movie, like Tom foisted. But Tom didn't think he could handle that movie. And right, we, and and we went back. We and proved forth him wrong. Months about you guys like debating whether or not Dingus could handle that. Who backed um, you? I ended up Kelly Wad. Yep. I watched it twice in that same week. Uh, but that same week, I decided to watch Dark Star because you had said it many times. I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? Uh, so I watched Dark Star, and then I watched it this week again because you suggested it. Um, the cut, I, I watched a cut this week that 
didn't have a scene involving a rubber chicken. What? That... You... Rubber chicken? What? Wait, you so you saw the rubber chicken cut? Of course. Ah, see what the hell? I Amazoned it. I didn't. I have a DVD, but I couldn't find it. Of like the long. So you saw the rubber but, chicken cut? Okay, good. Yeah, well, I got it way back when you know, the first time I was gonna watch. Ah. It. Wait, did it have one other of the, stuff? One happened? of my favorite things is early on in the early part of the movie. The the way it starts is is there's a, a broadcast going out to them. <laughs> yeah. See, Interstellar. And well, and exactly. Link. And the guy says, "We gather from the ten year delay that you were approximately eighteen parsecs away." <laughs> I just want you to know that you said you cried during the Interstellar, like that was the part that got you was the videos. And I just want you to know, I, I did cry during the Dark Star that beginning part video. It always gets me. I love me. that we we gathered from the ten year delay mm-hmm. that you are approximately eighteen parsecs away. Just drop a and line like, more often. Parsecs, and I mean, uh, mm-hmm. all I can think of as a Star Wars nerd is like parsecs. I thought that was a, a unit of speed. Well, no, it's a unit of measurement, apparently. Um, but I just love the ten-year delay, and they're like, uh, the guy is saying, "You need radiation shielding." Well, uh, sorry, that's been denied. Yeah, but you guys can deal with that. But uh, but this is ten years between. <laughs> I love the absurdity of that. It's yeah. the way the movie begins. Ah, man. It's so funny considering how not that funny John Carpenter ever was again. It's so weirdly funny. It's so cheap. It's so dumb. My favorite like joke early on. It's so weird. It's super weird. It's super dumb. Um, it's got such a weird pedigree too because Dan O'Bannon, who wrote Alien later plays the guy grappling with that beach ball in the basement of Cal Arts for what's most of the movie. Um, but my first joke, the thing that, to me, like, this is a masterpiece and people suck if they don't like it, is the whole idea that their job is to blow up planets. Like, they're out of toilet paper, they don't have a radiation shield, but they have shitloads of bombs <laughs> ruled by computers that argue with them. But they need to, instead of just getting out of the blast radius and setting the timers to explode later, even though they have these super advanced talking bombs, they have to use a hyperdrive to get out of the blast radius in time. That's so good. That's so dumb. That is so fucking dumb. That's so dumb, it's got to be true. Like, you know, just someday. What I liked watching it this time was how the computer and the bomb argue with each other. Yeah. Yeah, the sexy computer. They just—they're arguing, but, but 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 they're talking about particulars. All right, well, this time it'll be fine, but don't trust it next time. Oh man, this. <laughs> There's not one non-dumb conversation in Dark Star. Every, no, they're every, all dumb. They're all dumb. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's. And the ship doesn't make any sense. No, I, I know. Love that about it. <laughs> that's the so good. Structure of the ship makes no sense. It's got an R2 elevator shaft. How is that supposed to work? I know. Yeah, that's where they keep the alien, too. But he doesn't want him in the shaft. He's like, oh, he got into the shaft, fuck, but he's keeping him. But, but when I watch it, I mean, there's that huge bubble on top of the ship I know. where that one dude stays, I forget his name, he just stays up there, and then the guy brings in his, his breakfast. Doolittle brings him, Bolter, Pinback. I forget his name. Talbot, um, Talbot. Uh, Talby. Yeah. 
And he just sits up there because he likes looking at the stars. But if you look at the scale of the ship mm-hmm. and the way the ship is shaped, yeah. and then you look at the at the um, the, the diehard like elevator shaft. Where's that shaft? Elevator shaft. Yeah. Why it? do they have it? Why do they have elevator shaft? <laughs> Not like why, but where is that? I know. In the structure of that ship. And the way the size of the hole in the vent at the bottom of the elevator is changing all the time. It's so good. There's nothing bad about it. The rhythms oh, are I, good. The characters. I are loved. So- I loved. I watched it like as I was like right up to the moment we started recording. I was watching it again, oh. and I I loved I loved doing that so much because it's just so goofy, but it it just has such a sense of like we are making this movie, yeah, and you're gonna like it or not. And who gives a fuck if you don't? Stuff that they thought was going to be awesome looking then is hilarious now. So in a way, it's gotten better. Right. It's funnier. Every scene. They're fucking... <laughs> One of the planet systems is called the Horsehead Sector. Oh, I don't remember that. Which makes me think of, of course, a fox catcher and the horse thing. Oh. The Horsehead Sector. What about how space just looks like shit and all the planets do and they're just blow them up and they're... Oh yeah, like so yeah, that elevator shaft implies like it's star destroyer sized, but like right. The job the thing where they the thing where they work is like that tidy, crushed, cramped shithole and then he lights a cigarette up at the end, like at the middle of the bomb crisis like you know, no one smokes in that movie till then. Like, okay, now that we're in like 3 foot by 3 foot cube. <laughs> am I Captain's trying to figure out how to keep the ship from blowing up. Time to spark. It's so oh, good. They're so hairy and wretched, miserable. Miserable. I totally related to every part of it. Uh, there's two movies I saw this week that made me happy. Because I, I was not a big fan of Interstellar. Um, no so one I, is. is that, are they? Oh, well, I can, I can think of a couple. What you say? I was oh, going to no, say no one likes it. And no, it's it's hugely pot. It was like seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and a lot of that's people, that's not it, liking. That's not, it's not glowing. For it's like all that. right, yeah. Don't don't Shyamalan on us, Nolan. That's what the seventy three <laughs> says. I, I watched this wonderful little movie called The Dish. That's about. Dish. Um, that sounds really familiar. Uh, it's about building a, a building a dish in Australia, so that oh yeah yeah. And Sam Neill is in it. It's beautifully done, and it, but it's it's just a it's just a really nice little Australian movie that is so positive and, and great. And it was just so wonderful to watch that movie after watching Interstellar, and then to watch Dark Star uh, today again <laughs> after an Australian movie about a satellite dish, which is like wide well, open spaces. Well, it's, it's earnest, but it's still it's just got such a great sensibility, yeah. and it's so positive. And it's it's a great little period piece, and it's about a period that I really love because because I'm a big fan of of uh, you know as much as I talked bad about Beautiful Mind, I love Apollo 13. Oh um, yeah, me too. And I will watch the hell out of that television series from the Earth to the Moon. Uh, I love yeah, yeah. that whole period. Mm-hmm. I love, I mean, the fact that we land that not we but you know the European Space Agency landed uh, a. a a probe on a comet. Yeah, um, that's us for humanity. We we get a little uh, bit of that. I love that. I yeah, love me too. That space stuff. I'm crazy about it. Yeah. So watching the dish was was hugely gratifying to me this week. Um, but but then getting to 
Stark Star. Yeah. Uh, so pleasing to me. I'm so glad you suggested that movie, Kelly. So glad. It's I like I like that and I like the thing and then I wish all the other John Carpenter movies I mean, could hold a candle. Of good stuff. I mean, mm, yeah. but those two are perfect. They're perfect movies. Dark Star to me is a perfect movie. There's it's nothing not I would change. In any what? Way, which makes it kind of perfect. It's a comedy. It's a comedy. Cheaper is funny. So it is perfect okay. for what it is. Cheaper is funny. Uh, do any of our listeners have anything to say about Dark Star? I was a little disappointed in the turnout for this, considering that it was a Dark Star. Um, I don't know. I thought they'd get into that. But maybe it's just Foxcatcher. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, we're, Mike- we're, we are kind of getting into the time of year, you know, where we're going to pick movies that we really want to see as we're constructing our lists and that are movies that are going to be in limited, more limited release. So this is the kind of year, kind of time of the year where people will be like stacking up the podcast to watch later on. So that's okay. Although but, they may just hate this whole feature. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think Do they hate just, having to see two movies a week and then the other movie has to relate to the thing they heard last week so they have to have heard that podcast? I, I don't think they hate it. I just think it's hard for most people to do. I think it's hard for most people to see one movie a week. So, um, so that's why we've created another uh, – You know, Chris Markinson created another uh, thread that is just this – and he used your title for it rather than using my title, which is just Mini Movie Club, which seems very... I zazzed it up, Dingus. But you zazzed it up with Mini Movie Club, Palooza Club. Blah, blah. And he, he titled it as that. So so he'll be stacking up everything that we do in that thread on quarter to three so people can always go back to see those things and then, and then comment on them. Yeah, and I should say... We're, I mean, you know, that's cool too. Like, I don't really. When I say I'm bummed about the turnout, I'm not really, I don't really care either way. No, se. but one of the <laughs> one of the reasons we started doing this at all was that was so that people who can't see something like Foxcatcher can jump to uh, Dark Star and 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 hear us like prattle on about Dark Star, which is something they can see because everybody could. Rent Dark Star. I think they're just waiting for the three by three to come back and Tom. Cool. This, they're waiting for this to all go away so they could get back because the three by three was a popular feature that everyone loved. I think. Yeah. And well, so you and they, I both. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. all waiting for that. Right. Right. So we feel the same way they do. <laughs> just yeah, to clarify, absolutely. it's not like we're trying to go. Come on, guys. Get into the mini pity. Like, do it if you want. No, but if but if there's a few people who are like, God, I want to, I want to be able to hear. You know, uh, Dingus and Kelly talk about something. Then we can at least jump in and find out. Yeah, now's your chance. At the one hour and seventeen minute mark, let's jump in and hear them right. goof off about uh, Dark Star. And then later on, when I see Fox Sketcher, I can do that. And then let's, you know, let's just wait for the moment when time right. comes. I think it's worth it because, like, time after time, like. Shitless people. Oh my god! Time after time, I've thought about it forever. Yeah, but it's like maybe with Dark Star, like it's a little too. It maybe it's too much like Star Wars. Like everyone's seen the shit out of it, or or don't care about it. It's one or the other. You've either seen Dark Star and you don't want to write about it. It just might be hard to acquire for some people, but they'll get around to it. If you're not into baseball, you'd still like Dark Star. <laughs> so anyway, what what have our listeners said about Dark Star? Uh, Michael Straight. Really liked the Dracula Opsis. Didn't see Dark Star, but thank you. <laughs> That's okay. I That's don't all right. Read, read anything that they say. 
I'll take. I think I said something last week too that I thought was dumb, maybe, which was like, it was you hassling me to get Twitter. Like that's the that's a, yet another weekly feature, and I was like, <laughs> no, don't just leave me alone. Like don't don't write me, don't contact me, don't like me. But it was I just kind of met. I don't know. I was a little beleaguered last weekend. Anyway, Paul Weimer did see Dark Star. My body flies the galaxy. My heart longs to be there. Is that what he says at the end? That's Paul Weimer's quote. So I'm assuming Talbot says it, because he's the only character who would say something like that in Dark Star, except for possibly the beach ball. I didn't realize at first why Kelly picked this movie, until I started watching it again, and the theme song's lyrics brought it home to me. There's time dilation, not as severe as Interstellar, right in the lyrics. Dingus, remember they're out of toilet paper, too. As far as the movie itself, its low-budget charm still holds, and it's the only movie I can think of where a sentient bomb is a major character. What's not to love? Best regards, Paul Weimer. Maybe it's a tough movie to place for for people. Possibly. I don't know. I don't care. You know what? I don't give a shit. Like, I like what I like, Dingus. I'm not, I'm not going to change my opinions. That's the is virtue. That now there's one more. Are, is that now, Chris, our only listener submission? Chris Markardson is our only other one. Oh, good, good, because he uh, he also uh, said something in the thread. Good. Oh, did he? All right, I'll check out the thread. Because I want to, I don't know, Dark Star, I wanted to like hear people talk about Dark Star after I watched Dark Star. Hey, mini, mini, penny, mini, penny, 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 movie, movie club of Palooza. Wait, that was me fucking it up. He said it correctly. I'm an idiot. Hey, mini, penny, movie club of Palooza. I had never watched Dark Star before, so this was really interesting to experience. See, I turned someone on Dark Star, Dingus. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say that every day. There's good that's come out of this podcast, finally. Definitely. It probably helps that the ship has a voice, but it really felt like a character to me. Uh, yeah. It's falling apart. See, it has a guy bomb in it, even though it's a girl ship named Dark Star. It sounded like she had the same voice as the redhead from Blazing Saddles, which was also 1974. But maybe I'm wrong. It's falling apart, cramped to the point of almost feeling claustrophobic, and I think the movie does a pretty good job of making the ship feel like it's been lived in. I'm guessing this might be the first or one of the first movies to have sentient ordinance. Ah. <laughs> I think he's right. I can't think of another one unless Mr. I Limp- love the way you put that. Sentient ordinance. Mr. Limpet was counter ordinance. Uh. Which I thought was really interesting, and I know this is off-topic, but I wonder if this inspired Frank Miller to have those creepy talking dolls that the Joker used in the Dark Knight comic series. Uh, Frank Miller wrote that Robocop vs. Terminator comic book series, and Terminator's sentient ordinance, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's such a lonely feeling being Kelly Wan. On the Blu-ray version of Dark Star, O'Bannon writes an intro where he says that Alien was basically Dark Star made scary, and if I can't make them laugh... Maybe I can make them scream. Thanks for a great podcast, as always. See, he's already complimenting the podcast he hasn't heard yet. This Thanks, one. Chris. Yeah, see, that's true loyalty. Uh, he's done a heck, of a heck of a lot of work for us, so I'm, I'm very, very happy with that. Great. We're his Steve Carell. Did anybody else write in? No. All right, so for next week's Mini Mini Movie Club... Ah! Um... Inspired by watching Foxcatcher, which totally depressed me, <laughs> I am suggesting that all of you go and watch the movie Goon. 
Oh, yay! A good, so, a mood enhancer. So I am, I am going to watch Goon again this week. Uh, I'm going to do a little writing about it, and I'm going to talk about it next week. Hopefully, Kelly will get a chance to watch Goon. Fuck yeah! I know he regretted not putting it on his list that year. Um, no, so no, it was on my list. It was my number one. That's the part I regret. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. How Maybe dare you? It was definitely what it. All right. Well, I'm I'll do sure a little research all. on that to find out where it was on everybody's list, and, I think and it was on my number two. It was even on Tom's list. Um, but Goon, I love that movie so much. I haven't seen it in a couple years. Um, but uh, but watching a wrestling movie uh, about the this sort of like dim-witted dude um, made me really want to watch Goon again. So please, everybody, go watch Goon. Uh, come back and talk about what you think about it. I had some pretty strong feelings about the main performance in Goon, which I will uh, I'll look at again and see if I was right about. Kelly, hopefully you'll watch Goon again. I'm always good for watching Goon. I know you are. So for the mini movie club, you will watch Goon. I will watch Goon. For next week's main movie podcast movie, we will watch what, Kelly Wands? Uh... In keeping with our one-word movie title, Streak, it's going to be either Extraterrestrial or Birdman. But Birdman. I believe, I believe, <laughs> I believe it's going to have to be Birdman. Birdman. But maybe there – that sounds like an interesting double feature, and maybe I'll – if you're in the L.A. area and you have nothing better to do than see Extraterrestrial <laughs> – and Birdman together with Kelly Wand. Get in touch with me through Diggis' Twitter. You go to see two movies, we will take your extraterrestrial uh, uh, review. Go right ahead. Because I saw another movie this week as well, and I'll talk about that. It's called Force Majeure, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. Uh, That's not one word, though. Unlike Moneyball and Interstellar and um, Boxcatcher and Goon and (laughs) Dark Star. All right, All right. So next week we're gonna go see Birdman. Yay! Um, Prequel. Uh, and uh, for the quarter three movie podcast, uh, my name is Christian Morosky. I have been joined by the inimitable Kelly Wand. No one touched my fucking oxycotton. Remember? Away, la 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 la. I've only heard the heart version of the song. So crazy about the fact that you love Moneyball. Ah, Moneyball. Moneyball's like Beautiful Mind, but it's set in peacetime. La 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 la. Do you know the Flash can speed wrestle, Paul? Dingus! What? You're supposed to say something from the movie. I know, I got nothing. Oh. Sorry, working this light. That's you doing Steve Carell's character as a line from the movie.